We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. Uh, happy New Year to everyone. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. It's 2021. Yeah, it's 2021 by now, so you guys already know what to do. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. All right, again, Happy New Year to everyone. We're coming to you with our first episode of 2021. Very excited about it. The Seahawks started 2021 uh, with a victory, beating the San Francisco 49ers 26-23 in Arizona, which is just so pandemic-y for the San Francisco team to be playing a home game in Arizona because of a pandemic. There's just a lot of weird stuff going on. But the game itself is kind of whatever, just because... They came in as a three seed. They left as a three seed. Nothing right? changed. Nothing. I don't even think their opponent changed. I think the Rams were the six the whole time and ended up being the six. So as you know, next week on Saturday, it'll be uh, Seahawks-Rams at home. Can't wait. Um, but I want to talk about something from Pete Carroll uh, today. Because, Sunday I mean, because everyone, you guys watched, you know that Pete, the offense was kind of poopy for about three quarters. If they had what six points, Chris. Uh, we're down sixteen to six at one point to a team led by C.J. Beathard. Like it was just one of those games where I mean, my mentions during it are really just like telling. They were just everyone's like, "Yo, what's going on? Is Russ hurt? Is Russ drunk? What are the Seahawks doing? Like this is embarrassing. Like, all these things." And it's really been a theme the last eight weeks of the season. Uh, I, I want to say maybe excluding the Jets game because it's the Jets. So it was like it's a problem, right? Like they can't throw the ball downfield with any success or any efficiency. Uh, it just doesn't look good, and they're not scoring points. And so, you know, I, I asked Pete, you know, about the offense, and I thought he gave some very interesting responses in that, like, you have to read between the lines and understand Pete. So, like, for instance, Pete is really adamant that he's not worried about the offense. He tells us every week. He's like, you, you guys are worried about it. I'm not worried about the offense, right? We're doing what we need to do to win the games. We got the balance back. Uh, you know, we're scoring more points than the other team, which is the goal, right? And, like, at its base, duh, Pete. No one's – he didn't lose. So, of course, like, there's there's a glass half full, like, approach that he naturally takes to it. But I think – so I asked him two questions. And it wasn't just me who asked him. I think Joe asked a really good one that he got a good response out of it as well. Just, like, what, what – why did you guys turn it around – and the start of the fourth quarter, and he was like, yeah, like, we just had to be patient in a way that you guys don't see. And I remember thinking, like, that's dumb. So let me <laughs> – I was like, he asked a really good question. I was like, that's a weird answer. It's like, we're watching the game, Pete. And we can see. Now, granted, we can't see the full screen. Correct. Which I – you know, I'm not in San Fran. Or, excuse me, I'm not in Arizona. So I'm, I watch it on TV just like y'all, which I hate doing. It's because I can't see. But, I mean, Pete's vantage point is also limited, too, just by however how tall he is and how close he stands to the field, right? Can't see everything. So – it's a little give and take there. But my point is we can see that offense is trash through three quarters. And we've seen them be trash for long stretches of time and then just turning it around out of nowhere, seemingly, which is exactly what happened. They were 
I tweeted the drive chart. It was like punt, punt, field goal, field goal, punt, 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 punt again, punt again, punt again, punt again, three touchdowns, game over. It was like, what the hell kind of Seahawks game was that? And it was like, oh, it was like a 2012 Seahawks game. That's what I told Chris this before we started recording. I said, the good news is the Seahawks are giving me 2012 vibes or 2013, however you want to put it. The bad news is the Seahawks are giving me 2012 vibes. And I mean that mostly because the defense is great and the offense makes me go, hmm, don't turn it over. Like, and that's and that's not great. But Pete, Pete is not worried, and that worries me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It worries a lot of people. He He sees it the way Pete only sees it. He doesn't see it the way everyone else does, where there's clearly an issue with the game plan and what's being asked of Russ to do. Right. Start of the season, not we, the Seahawks started the season lighting things up. And I remember we got multiple questions. Can Russ keep this up? Simple answer is no. Russ cannot throw for five touchdowns. Yeah, he was on pace for like 60-something at a point. It was ridiculous. He ended up with 40, though. Which I said he'd probably have 40 touchdowns. I didn't think he had this many interceptions, but that's the way it swings sometimes. You get a little aggressive, too aggressive, you make mistakes here and there. That happens. NFL, you're going to make mistakes. You're not freaking Aaron Rodgers who is having a career year yet again. But the biggest thing with Pete is that he found a way back to his old ways. I'm sure you got a Drake bar for this somewhere, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Drake line in there. Yeah, he said I was a cold dude. I was getting back to, I'm getting back to my ways. This is Pete Carroll. He's getting back to his old ways. And if he wins the Super Bowl based off going back to his old ways, I mean, that's, Fantastic. A, that's a Grammy right there. And that's, I think, Pete's, that's where his mind is at right now. He realizes, well, he doesn't realize. He thinks what was rolling in the beginning of the season is not going to work. But ultimately, you just got to trust in Russ. Russ, I think, can do it. He has a better offensive line. Best, has, one, best one he's had in his career, literally. He has weapons offensively and DK and Tyler Lockett, who broke 1,000 yards, both set franchise records today, or excuse me, on Sunday against this team. Yep. yep These yep. are positive things that say, no, Pete, the Seahawks are capable of doing it. You just got to let Russ continue to do it. He's going to make mistakes, and maybe that's Pete, what Pete doesn't want to see. He doesn't want to see two interceptions, Russ throw four touchdowns, throw for 500 yards, and they win 37-33. But also the defense has answered the call and is way better than they were eight weeks ago against Buffalo. They have took another step. You have Jamal Adams who's healthy. You have Carlos Dunlap who's healthy. You have K.J. Wright who's playing out of his mind. Everybody's con- you know doing their job. Shaq is playing okay. He could be playing better, but he gets bored out there, he says. Uh, that w- one time, but yeah, no, he said it. He did say, <laughs> yeah. he did, he did, he did say, you know what? I'm a, Chris, I have a theory. Follow me here because it's about to get, it's not going to be like Tenet, but it's going to be, oh. uh, if anybody listening, now you've seen Tenet, listen here, this is some life advice. I'm about to get sidetracked real quick here, but if anybody watches that movie Tenet and they tell you they understood it the first time they watched it, don't trust them. Do not trust them. They lying. They lying, they lying, they lying. They'll lie about other things in your life or in their life. Don't trust them. But so here is my theory. So, for example, one of the Pete said this number one reason that they won the game on Sunday against the Niners. He said we didn't turn the ball over, and it reminded me that Pete is a risk averse guy. Like naturally, I think we had Doug Farrar on the show a while back. I think uh, this off season we talked about like defensive minded head coaches are like inherently risk averse, meaning they think like run plays are just safer and therefore better for your team than like a pass play. Right, that's kind of how they kick it. That's how they get down. Okay, cool. That's not that bad. Right, so he goes in the post conference and he's like, "Yo, we won. We didn't turn the ball over." Right, he said. I think he said when they're even in the turnover or like plus, they're twelve and zero this season or something like that. I go look the stat up. I didn't. I didn't double check to see if he's right. I'm sure he's right. So that was that was part one. And then he talked about the downfield passing game. And I asked. I asked him, "Hey, yo, like, is that in any way tied to?" You know, the fact that offenses in general just kind of cool down in the back half of seasons and defenses start to catch up and start to play well and pick up on what you guys are doing. And he was just like, well, yeah, there's there's some of that as well. But we just got to be, you know, not try to force it, take our shots, you know, where we can, you know, and just protect the ball and then we'll go win. And I was like, okay, so are you trying? I think he said the word calculated because the word I used as well. I was like, are you encouraging more like calculated risks? you know, with Russell in terms of the downfield stuff because defenses are getting better in the later part of the season. He said, I don't want to comment too much about that at this point because everybody's going to try to figure out how to beat us now. 
We've just got to hit them when we get our chances and continue to keep working it. We're always looking. We're always hunting. This is an explosive mentality in this program, and when it doesn't happen, we get frustrated too because we want it to happen that way, end quote. And I thought that was, that was really important there, right, because I asked a very good question, I thought. I'm going to toot my own horn here. Um, and I thought that Pete not wanting to reveal whether they're being more m- meticulous with their decisions to launch the ball downfield was kind of interesting. So this gets back to the theory that I said I had. My theory is, let me get my full-on conspiracy Kyrie Irving mode here. He's, I love that he's a conspiracy theorist. Anyway, I think they did the let Russ cook thing this summer, right? When they put their heads together, Shoddy Russ, whoever else in the building, Austin Davis was like, yo, we're going to let Russ cook. And Pete was like, cool, we can do it. We're going to go to 2020. It's a new year. Let's do it. They light the league on fire. Shotty's in every meeting, like doing the Kirk Cousins. You like that? You like that? Told you. We don't need to do this run nonsense. We can be the most pass heavy team in the league and still be kicking ass, which they were. Then Russ starts throwing the ball to the team, other team every week. And then that spooks them. Spooks Pete more than anything. Yes, most importantly, because that's the guy who oversees everything. What yes. he says goes. He doesn't really have any bosses. He got one, it's Jody. That's, that's it. So he's the overlord of the. The whole team, not either side of the ball, and special teams too. So spooks him a little bit. Like, yo, guys, we need balance. We can't just keep hucking it down the field because we're gonna turn it over if we do that, and we're going to lose. So we gotta, we gotta run the ball. We gotta balance ourselves out because you gotta remember thinking about Pete. He's one of those guys who is on the kind of the less is more thing with Russ. I think we talked about that a lot in the years past, why they didn't do like a Chiefs type of offense or whatever. Because the thought in the building was, if you ask Russ to do too much more, he'll start to lose the efficiency that makes him great. That that argument looked dumb the first like eight weeks or nine <laughs> weeks. And then it's starting to be like, now Pete's in every meeting like, you like that? You like that? Yeah, see? Yeah, see what I told you? Look, you threw fucking three picks against Buffalo or whatever. You know, like, it's, you know, he turned it over four times against Buffalo, I think. And then another like three against the Rams or maybe, like, it was a bad little stretch. There. It was you ugly. Got, yeah, you guys remember. So now, then what happens? All right, so now you got a group here. I don't know who's all in this group, but I'm sure Russ is in it. I don't know where Shoddy is or Austin Davis or some of the other guys, Dave Canales, the quarterback's coach. But you have a group of people in the building who are like, let's cook. And then you got at least one guy who I'm pretty sure is <laughs> like, yo, we tried the cooking thing and y'all left the oven on and went to the store and then they burnt the house down. You know, like that's that's where they got to. So now you got this like weird juggling act where teams are schematically inviting Seattle to run with their defenses right, so you got the when you got like Russ and Shoddy this is what makes me think I know where Shoddy's at with this they are naturally like let's keep throwing that rock the Giants game I thought was very telling in that way teams are like running on us we don't care and then they was like no we're gonna throw and they lost to the Giants who now are not even a playoff team so he <laughs> lost to a very lost to a six win Giants team that didn't couldn't even win the worst division in football Right, and didn't even finish with like a top ten defense. The defense was just like okay, uh, it was good in that game, but you get my point. So I thought that game was very telling. Like I'm putting all this together, I entered the twenty point one with my like biggest conspiracy theory. So to build on that, we get to this point where Pete's kind of admitting like, hey, let's be a little bit more calculated with the risks. When you've got maybe other guys in the room who are like, yo, we want to launch this bad boy. Meanwhile, here's the here's the real kicker. The team is winning, and it's a bottom-line business. So no matter what happens, Pete's going to walk in there with that. You like that because they won the game. And going the reason why I'm going in on this theory and why I'm, it's kind of a little bit of a tangent, this is important, follow me here, and I wrote this on The Athletic. Explosive pass plays have a direct correlation to scoring points. And there was no – like there's been a million examples all year, but like look at Sunday. Sunday was a great example. First play, it's like a 26-yard pass. And explosive pass plays are 16 or more yards, for people who don't know. And explosive rush is 12 or more. So Chris Carson, 29-yard catch, I think it was on, on a scramble. What happens? Field goal later. Uh, was an, Yeah, then the next one, Tyler Lockett. What happens after that? Field goal, right? For the Niners to get on the board, what happens? Richie freaking James runs by Shaq, 40 yards. Next thing you know, the Niners getting points. Uh, let's see. What else led to the Niners points? Um, 
a George Kittle 41 yarder or whatever it was. One hand grab. Yeah, I think that led to a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne had like a 27 yarder, led to points. Like it's it's fine to run the ball. It's fine to dink and dunk, even with the short game, right? When the defense invites it. But you have to understand that plays into the defense's favor, not the offense. Is it? Uh, I'm gonna steal a quote from the Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, who told our Robert Mays in an article last week. It's like, yo, it takes a lot of four- and five-yard passes to make up for a 50-yard bomb. Or, no, he said four- and five-yard runs. Excuse me. But the the sentiment is still the same. You dink and dunk your way up the field, that's hard to do consistently. Right? And that's why I gave that theory because, Chris, the Rams are the I – don't, I don't want to say the worst nightmare. You know, I will. They're the worst matchup that the Seahawks could have had in the first round. Green Bay is ultimately the worst one. The Rams are bad because they're built – uniquely to make the Seahawks' life hell on offense. And as we've seen, when this offense can't get it down the field, it's very, 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 very hard for them to put up points until it's like, hey, Russ, can you save us in the fourth? Here's your cape. Here, sir. Here you go. Here's your boots. S on your chest. Straighten that out. All right, go save us. And Russ is like, cool. And then they save the day. Like, that's not – that's Pete ball. Pete likes that type of ball. But as we know, Chris, that's not that's not gonna consistently get you how many wins they have to get? Four? They get four wins from this point. I don't know if that consistently gets you there unless you have the best defense of all time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like they had in the past. That is a fair assessment. I like your theory, and you can go back and look at the stats and what Russ was doing in those games where he was throwing the ball and lighting it up. And then you see after the Buffalo game, Pete probably pulled them aside and said, I don't know if this is the route we should go. It was probably after the Rams game, too. Maybe. I don't know. One of those two, because he was bad in the Rams game, too. Either or, it looked as if there was a discussion, something changed, because we talked about it off wax or on a Google brief, that is, about Russ and his game, and he's not throwing the ball as much. And if he is, it's dinking and dunking, and he's not hitting those deep routes. And a lot of it has to do with what the defense is giving you. If they're going to give you too high, sure, you run the ball, but even then, Russ is missing a few throws there. Guys are also dropping passes. Yeah, so just, the whole thing is just off. It, it really was. Off. This was off. And I don't know if the receiver – I don't know what the case may be on that, but the receiver's not catching the ball. But ultimately – Things have changed, and now you're going up against a Rams defense that, yeah, we don't care if you run the ball. You're not going to throw on us. Well, and that's the other thing. The Rams are like one of the best run defenses in the league, too. Which is also scary. So they invite you to run and then stop it. What? (laughs) (laughs) How fun is that? And the Seahawks have to go up against it yet again. Yeah, third time. And they squeaked out of it on the, the last time they played. Jared Goff is banged up. I'm not sure how well he'll play, how effective he'll even be. But that defense is still an issue, and you can bet your money they just want to turn over for six. And that's we're st- we Mike's predicted, I want to say, maybe in week 13, one of the t- someone asked what can get this defense going pretty much that magnitude, and Mike simply said there's going to be a game where they get a bunch of turnovers. We haven't seen that game. It's supposed to be against the Jets, but Jamal Adams wasn't able to make a few plays. He broke his fingers, wasn't able to make a few plays the next few weeks, and it still hasn't happened. And maybe – on Saturday against the Rams, this defense can get the turnovers they need, and if the offense is stanking it up, that gives you a little cushion 
but you don't want that to happen. You really don't want to rely on your defense to put up points because their job is simple. Stop them from putting up points. It's <laughs> not their job to score it's as not, well. Exactly. But if they have to, I'm sure they would love to. But they also oh, want yeah, to see would. the offense be productive. We saw Tyler Lockett on Sunday get in the rhythm. And it started off with Dinkin and Duncan. I mean, pretty much all he did until he got his biggest catch of the day, which is maybe a 10-yard pass, but he ran for another 16. Yeah, it had some yak on it, yeah. That has to be more consistent. And I don't know if it's it's in the game plan itself. I mean, we did see Russ hold the ball a little bit longer today. And me and you are sitting here, throw the ball, throw it away. Oh, there goes Russ going down. I mean, it's, it's the little things that I think ultimately can lead to an early playoff exit or it can lead to this team going to the Super Bowl and facing off against an AFC team, whether it be the Chiefs, a rematch against the Bills, whatever the case may be. I don't be. think it'd be the Bills. It's a big if. It's yeah, a big no, if. Yeah, no, I'm just Mah- throwing, Mahomes is different. I'm just throwing it out there. But, yeah, you're. I don't think you're off in this theory. You call it a – you call it one of Kyrie Irving's little – That's conspiracy. Conspiracy well, theory. I think it's more of a fact. I mean, you, you can look and see the, the drastic change that we've seen – this whole season from weeks one, I'll say week 10. So, yeah, go. I'll say, yeah, go from like weeks one to nine and weeks like 10 to 17 is how I would break. That's, that's eight and eight split um, in terms of games. And I, I got to call it a conspiracy and I can't call it fact. I'm not reporting this. I don't know. I'm not in those rooms. No one has necessarily told me. Look at the numbers, damn it. Yeah, no one's told me <laughs> like, yo, Mike, they in there fighting. Like, no one's told me that. Like, to be very well, clear. Well, you haven't really alluded to that. Usually yeah, they have I, discussions. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I, I don't necessarily think it's like beef. So to speak, but I I do wonder if there are like competing like philosophies in the building, and it, the re, and we have a lot of sample size, and Pete Carroll has detailed what he thinks is best to win a football game. I mean, you're he's po- been saying that for years. What he yeah. values most, even just this this last what Thursday, I think I asked Shadi what he values most to determine whether an offense is successful. I uh, said to give me your three things, um, and he said I said aside from points per game, because duh, um, he said third down efficiency. Avoiding third downs altogether, which was a great answer, and time of possession, which is a terrible answer. Like it was a mixed bag of answers there. But like we know, we kind of we have a pretty good idea what Shadi thinks is the best way to win a game, for the most part. We have a pretty good idea what Russ thinks. The man keeps referencing the Chiefs every <laughs> every chance he gets. <laughs> Let like, me throw the ball, Coach. Damn. Yeah, like he spent all offseason being like, "Yeah, let's do what Mahomes is doing." So well, I can. Any, he's like, "I want to win MVP." Not to mention. The Seahawks had two guys break records today. It's not as if the Seahawks are throwing to a bunch of Freddie Swains. No, you have DK. Freddie's a good receiver. Well, I'm just saying on the caliber of DK and Tyler. Yeah, no. You have DK and Tyler who are playing really good football. They statistically were probably the best receiver tandem in the league. I'd have to go check the numbers on Justin Jefferson and um, Adam Thielen. But it would be hard to find two, two guys who combined for... 2300 with each guy getting a thousand that's pretty that's tough ridiculous. i'm sure tyreek and, and travis did it but that's two different well that's a tight end yeah receiver. tight end tight end we're talking numbers, about two receiver. wide receivers x and y yeah that that's a that, that'd be pretty that'd be pretty tough but yeah i, th- I gotta call it a conspiracy because i'm not like for sure 100 but that's i've been thinking covering I'm, your ass i respect it well, i've been thinking it more and more <laughs> i don't get a, i don't want to get a call from a block number talking about hey meet us at the vmac like you know i don't want to <laughs> 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 I don't want to do that. <laughs> Wait, who is this? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is with, 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 with by the tone, but I don't want that. I, it's just something that I've been thinking of weeks and weeks and weeks go by because the re- one of the reasons why earlier in the year, I remember Chris, people would ask us like week two or week, week three or whatever, like, "Yo, was this a Falcon specific game plan? Was this a Patriots specific game plan? Or is Pete all in and let Russ cook?" And I was like, I thought, yeah, of course he's going to be all in because I don't think he could ever enter the season without it. Like, I don't think he would have ever agreed with with being hat one foot in, one foot out. And then I was just when they, when Russ was turning the ball over to the other team, I would think every week like this is the if if Pete ever has an argument for backpedaling, Russ is giving him all of the argument to be like, yo, see what I'm talking about? We're the pass heaviest team in the league, and our quarterback is now having his most turnover prone season of his life. Right, like that, he'll like he can even if the correlation is not necessarily there. I I understand how arguments work, especially I've been listening to Pete argue stuff for years now, so I could see that. So I'm kind of like piecing together what I know about how, how he thinks the offense should go, how Shoddy thinks it goes. I don't know about Dave Canales and Austin Davis and whoever else is in the rooms with those guys, but I do think that's important here because we're dealing with a bunch of dudes and a bunch of egos here too. Like everyone, probably, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen to borrow a let Russ cook. Uh, analogy there and it's important because i don't think it's just like a 
I really don't think it's a it's a like all right, I just flip a switch here real quick, like and we just go. I think there really has to be to really feel confident about Seattle getting to the Super Bowl. I think everyone has to be on the same page. If you're responsible for the offense for the Seattle Seahawks in any way, shape, or form, you guys should all be on the same page, you know, philosophically about how we're going to get this done. And the numbers still bear out that I think they're still one of the top seven pass-heavy teams in the league and in terms of, like, get rid of blowout situations and whatever, like a neutral situation. Shout-out to Ben Baldwin. I use his site for that. There's still The pass-heavy numbers are still there, so the play calls still align with Let Russ Cook, but the, the eye test does not. Wouldn't the fact that the defense is also playing better make you want to test out and let Russ get back to the old way now that the defense has stepped up and they have proven they can shut down, they can clamp up. Mm. This would allow ahead, you. This would allow you, I think, the opportunity to say, "Okay, well, the defense has figured it out clearly." Pete Carroll has said, "I told you guys, you guys were worried all year, and I told you we need to get our feet wet, we need to get things rolling, and now the thing is rolling." Okay, cool. Now, how about we get Russ back to doing what he's used to doing? from weeks one through ten, and let's see if he can keep that up or bring it back, excuse me, and you can have a few blowouts, 37 to 12. Defense is still balling out, right? Now you just need Russ to get his groove and start slinging the rock. That's what I would assume would take place, but clearly that goes back to your point of philosophy-wise, they're not all on the same board. They could be. I don't know for could sure. Be. But I, I just I don't get the sense, right? I don't. I just I don't feel it right here in my in my gut here. Just what I know about a lot of the parties involved. Again, no one's told me any of this. Not reporting it, but this is my feeling, gut feeling here. And then okay, so here's the other part of this that would make sense, right? It would for the defense to be like, all right, well the defense is great now, so you actually can take more chances now, <laughs> like it's working out. But that's why I'm open with who Pete is, because you got to understand who we're talking about, because yeah. he is naturally risk averse in that way. Um, so in his mind, it actually works the exact opposite. He sees a defense playing elite, and he's like, well, actually, we should take fewer risks. <laughs> no, for real. We should <laughs> no, take fewer right. of them <laughs> and hold the ball longer than them, because time of possession matters to Pete a lot. Like he 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 values I forget what the three things are. It's 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 definitely running the ball, time of possession, and third down, and the turnover margin. Turnover margin. So okay. He, because that's why I started with who he is. He correlates passing and running. Like, yo, if we throw more, turnover more. It's a pass is riskier than a run. Like just naturally, it starts with that premise, right? So in his mind, yeah, it's the exact opposite of what you think would work. It's like, oh no no, the defense is elite now, so we should actually take fewer chances because we should punt more and do this because our defense is gonna just get us the ball right back. And then if we <laughs> keep it, he believes in playing keep away. That's why I thought Shoddy's answer at time of possession when I asked him that was actually really bad, right? Because turnover, turnover, uh, excuse me, time of possession is irrelevant for the most part. I think there's other metrics to measure what you are trying to measure as a staff. Your yards per play, your yards per pass attempt, um, EPA. Like, there's so many other metrics to figure out. Like, what we uh, points per drive, I think, is more important as well. There's so many things to measure. Is our offense good other than how long did we have the ball? No matter how long you had the ball, if you didn't do nothing with it. You got three points. That's not a great— And you've, and you've had the ball for 37 minutes. You score six points. Well, who gives a damn? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's about scoring points, right, and getting first downs and stuff like that. So— that's why I thought their answers were and bad. And by points, there. we mean touchdowns, just to no, make no, that no, very just, clear. No, no, you can get just points. Score points. But to your point, they scored six in 37 minutes. That's not enough points depending on who they play. Yeah, but I'm saying like you can you can have the ball for a long time. And even if you kick field goals every, literally every single drive, you're probably going to win the game, right? Like, But it's it's not really about how long you have the ball. It's about what you do when you have the ball. So Hashtag just kick it, by the way. That's why I think we'll just make the kick. You see Jason <laughs> Myers missed an extra point, fourth, oh. fourth miss of the year. Um so, I don't know for sure whether my theory is correct. That's why it's called a that's why it's called a theory, it's a conspiracy theory. At that, but it's important to talk about as we enter the playoffs, and we'll get to questions here in a second, because if everyone's not aligned on this, because that goes into the in-game adjustments too, right? You how are you gonna adjust at halftime if y'all can't agree on what should be adjusted? Mm. If at the halftime of the Giants game, person A is being like, "Yo, no, 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 they're giving us these two high looks, guys, run it." We should run it. And someone in person B is like, damn them two high looks. We got DK. We got Tyler. We got Disley. We're going to air it out. And then you end up losing. Right? Like, how can you adjust if everyone everyone has to be on the same page for you guys to adjust? And if they're not, which sometimes it just doesn't feel like they are, then I just – it's hard for me to have that that faith 
and how far these guys can take it. Because the offense can sustain injuries. I think it's still hum. We've seen that at certain positions. The defense is like one rolled ankle away from like not being able to play at an elite level. Like when Jamal went to the bench, with that shoulder, I was injury. like, oh god, yeah. that's the season for real. I was like, yo, it's if Jamal can't play next week, it's over. I feel legit believe that. So because their margin for error is so thin, when you're relying on a, an elite defense, I'd rather have an explosive offense. Right, so just outscore people. Forget it, just outscore. And because that's kind of not the mindset here, that out the mindset is is like, yo, let's just do enough to get more than they got. It's like, ooh, okay, you're just gonna rely on Russ fourth quarter magic, huh? Godspeed, brother. Godspeed. Godspeed. <laughs> well, you did mention Twitter questions. We have quite a few. You ready to get into these questions, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some good ones, right? <laughs> per usual, man. We always get good ones. Let's get right into it. The first one. What does the running back rotation look like for round one? Um, How it looked today. I think it was like 11 carries for Chris, um, five for Alex Collins with like six for Penny. Um, and Co- Alex got some of those because I think Chris's ear started bleeding and I think Rashad cramped up. So maybe it'll be actually be more like how it looked actually in the Rams game, which I think it was like 16 for like Chris, and like three for Carlos, and like two for Penny or something like that. Like don't go Chris because this is your time. You save Chris Carson for this right here. Run it down the Rams' throat. For real. Like, if you're going to do that, give it to Chris. Like, if, they, if your game plan is going to be they give us the two high shells if we're just going to run it down their throat, then run it with Chris. I really just mostly feel comfortable doing it with Chris. I think that's how it'll look. Happy New Year. Do you think the matchup against the Rams will be a repeat of last week, even without Jared Goff? And if John Schneider and Shadi were hired away... Who does Jody Allen and Pete need to call first? Okay, good questions here, too. Um, so, will the Rams game look similar uh, in the wild card round? Yeah, I think so. I think with with or without Jared Goff, who has a hand injury and didn't play in Week 16, I think it'll look very similar. I think the, the Seahawks will struggle to score and have to make some adjustments to figure some things out. I think the Rams will struggle to score, although I think they'll probably get a touchdown this time around. Um they were so close to getting one last time. Like a couple plays here and there. Like they, they had a they, the ball was on like the one inch line, and they just didn't punch it in. Like that, that's hard to 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 fail twice. So I think it, it will look pretty similar. The Seahawks probably should still win that game, but I think an uh, an ugly game for both offenses. I think is probably in the cards for sure. The second part of that is very interesting. Um, I'm going to start with the John Snyder part of it. That's obviously coming up because John Snyder is reportedly going to be targeted by the Detroit Lions for their GM vacancy, um, reported by NFL Network. NFL Network also reporting that the the Lions would potentially offer John Snyder more power than he has here. You know, Pete has final say-so over the personnel here, and the Lions would reportedly be giving John the power. Like, yo, you here, no one man should have all that power. Damn Kanye. We're giving you all our power, John. Here you go. And here's a raise, presumably. Um, so if John was to leave for somewhere like Detroit or any of these open jobs, I do believe it the so the second part of that is who does he take with him? Because Trent Kirshner, I think, is like their VP of player personnel. I think he's like a candidate for like the Texans job. So if he leaves, like and, and John leaves, does John take Scott Fitterer? With him, does he take Matt Thomas, their salary cap guy, with him? Um, does he does he take Matthew Barry, the director of college scouting, with him? Like, who all bounces with John? I think that's very important. Um, let's assume that, like, Scott and Trent both leave. Those are their top two guys. So um, let's say they both bounce, right? I would call Scott McLuhan. Uh, Scott was here for, I think, the 2010 to the 2012 drafts, 2013 drafts. Um, really, really integral in picking the Legion of Boom. Uh, Scott really liked Russell. Um there's a lot of picks that they got right that he was a part of. So call him. I don't think he's with a team right now. I'd have to Google that. But that'd be a, that'd be a, a, the, one of the first calls I would make. And then if after that, I would really just someone who's really good with the college side of it, like someone who has a background scouting. That is where you should pull your GMs from. That's what you need to be good at. Like it's easy to evaluate. It's easier, I should say, to evaluate NFL players once they're already in the NFL. Right, because you can see, like, okay, he's played against the NFC East, so I got a feel for how a dude in the pros. It's much harder to project how a dude will do when he's playing in the Big Ten, how he'll do in the NFC East. So whoever is really good at the college evaluation part of it will probably make a better GM than the other guy. So whoever's the hot shot there, call him second. If Shotty bounces, call Pep Hamilton. 
um, the Chargers QB coach. I like what he's uh, what he's doing down there. And it would be dope, just selfishly, if they kept Ken Norton to have a black OC and a black defensive coordinator. That'd be tight. Sticking with John Schneider, what are the chances Schneider actually leaves for Detroit? Another good question. So uh, when everyone saw that report um, from uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network about John Schneider being a target for the Lions' vacancy, everyone was like, yo, why would John do that? They're a bad franchise. Like, we have Russ. And I was just, my kind of general response was like, well, it depends on how much power John wants. Sometimes people, look, John potentially has the power to cut the number of bosses he has in half. Right? Like, I want you to, if you're listening right now, think of, think of your job. If you had the chance to cut the number of people you answer to in half, you know, even though that means moving, you and your wife and your kids or whatever, you'd consider it probably. It depends on what you value personally. Um, and I don't think that would mean like, hey, he hates working for Pete. I don't think so. If he does, I don't know. Right? He ain't never told me. Uh, but I'm just saying like that that part does matter to people, how much power they have in the building. Right? It mattered to Pete. He wouldn't have took this job if he couldn't help pick the GM. Right? He needed that college-like structure where he is in charge of the thing or else he would have stayed in college. So I think that that power is very important to a lot of people. The Washington football team, Ron Rivera, they're trying a very similar structure right now. I think they're going to have Ron help pick who becomes the GM. Uh, Carolina, I think, is going to do a very similar thing with whoever. I forget their coach. Matt Rule, maybe, is the coach in Carolina. They fired the GM in Carolina. I think they're going to go for a same coach-centric type of approach. So as that becomes more popular, the guys who are the GMs who just have the power, like that's, that is going to be an even more coveted position. So if John's like, yo, I just want to have the final say, so I want this to be my thing, then, yeah, sure, it'd probably bounce. That's it. If he doesn't care about that too much, um, he likes driving BMWs around Bellevue. Then hey, Empire State. DJ Reed is probably the best story of the year on the Seahawks. In the Disney movie of DJ Reed, who plays Reed? Great work all season. Keep killing it. Appreciate the love. Thank you, man. Interesting question. So I don't know the actor's name. DJ Reed has been a good story this year, by the way. I think like if the story, of, I don't know where this like little short film of his career would start, but I think the the torn pectoral muscle, um, that he suffered this summer. And then, like, it, it have to be in there somewhere and then getting cut from uh, the Niners would be pretty interesting, too. Like, all that. And then his first game being against the Niners and him getting a pick uh, against the Niners. Like, that would that would, that would be pretty tight uh, to be in a story. So, um, if there was a movie, I'm going to go with my guy. His name is Jade Yorker. That is, he don't look like a Jade. He doesn't, but that's his name. That really is him? Okay. Yep. I think that's my man who played in uh, Gridiron Gang. He's Willie Weathers. You know that movie where uh, The Rock in the ex- in Exhibit coached the uh, juvenile boys football team? Uh, really bad, good football movie. The guy who plays Willie Weathers is like one of the lead in there. I like I liked him. He's a good actor. He's also, I'm pretty sure, Chris, if you went to his page, he's also the, uh, the kid version of Ray Allen and He Got Game. He is good. Yes, it is. That's, yeah, him. that's him. That's Same him. Kid? He just yeah. didn't have braids. I think he had braids then too, did he? No? He had braids mm, I don't think. Okay, no. whatever. It's the same kid. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's a good <laughs> Who asked that question? From our guy Ryan. That was, no, I wasn't. Was that Ryan? Yeah. Oh, wow. Ryan. Thanks for that question, man. That was a good one. Man, I had to dive into that. That's, a, that's dope. There was a game the Hawks won earlier this season where the defensive players, they weren't happy and they were doing the post-game press conference. Why does it seem the defense had to be accountable for how they were playing, but the offense doesn't over the last month? Good question. Who asked this? Chris. All right. Chris is a good question. Um, After a loss in which the offense plays poorly, we typically only get one offensive player, and that player is usually Russ. And that's just in the Zoom life. Obviously, the locker room's open. It's a different dynamic. So when that happens, if you, you guys know Russ. Russ is never going to be glass half empty in front of us. Maybe he does, Maybe he goes home in the Sierra and just starts just <laughs> whining about everything, <laughs> cussing and stuff. I don't know. But he don't do that in front of us, right? So he's always going to be glass half full. So that's part of it. The other part of it um, is that naturally some of the defensive guys wear their emotions on their sleeve a little bit more than some of the guys on offense. Like, if you know, like even a frustrated Tyler, you can't really tell. Um, a frustrated DK, you can tell because he usually doesn't talk. <laughs> it's, it's easy how you tell. Frustrated Dwayne Brown, you can tell. He also usually doesn't talk after losses. Um, so, whereas, like, 
the game that uh, Chris is referencing is after they lost to Dallas, Bobby was just dejected after winning. Shaq, dejected after winning, right? Because those guys wear their emotions on their sleeve a little bit more, especially Shaq. Um, so I, th- I think it's a personality thing um, on top of just how they structure it. When the defense doesn't play well, we can maybe get two defensive players. But if the, re- if the offense puts up a stinker, they're just going to trot Russ out there and that's it. Right? That's that's kind of... At least in now that in this post-Doug Baldwin era, Doug would talk um, if, he, if he had to, even if the offense didn't play well. So I th- that's a good question. That's a good observation. But yeah, that's the main thing for it. I combined these two questions because they are pretty similar and they're from Scott and at DeKalen season. How concerned should fans be by the lack of offense in that first half? Is this sustainable against the Rams and is this a concern if and when the Seahawks face Brady, Rodgers, or Drew Brees? Um, so like I said, I think, I think they can beat the Rams playing the way they do offensively mostly because I don't think the Rams will be able to score more than that like if the even if the Seahawks only score 17 points next Saturday I don't see the Rams getting 17 points like I do think they'll get a touchdown like they'll probably get like 10 maybe 13 14 but I don't think they like I just don't think that that would be the case without the Seahawks turning the ball over so in terms of sustainability yeah sure I think that's that's possible um, I do think it's different. There are other matchups that are good and bad for them. I think it said what that was Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers. So Green Bay is a bad matchup. Doesn't matter where that game is. I don't care if it's played in London, Australia, Green Bay, or Seattle, or Renton. Doesn't matter. Bad matchup. But like the Saints game, yes, Seattle would need more points, but I think their defense would also be really good. And I don't think the Saints defense is also as good as the Rams defense like they I think the Seahawks offense could put up 25 against them should they just put up 26 against uh, the hell they just beat the Niners, Niners. <laughs> yeah so like it's doable right um, and I don't think like Drew Brees is as good as I, I don't trust the arm there so that's not as bad a matchup I don't think the, the Bucks is a bad matchup the Bucks is bad the Bucks if they were smart that's what I would do if I was the Bucks. I would 11 personnel to hell out of Seattle and find as many ways as possible to get A.J. Brown on, or excuse me, Antonio Brown on anyone, literally anyone. Because <laughs> Boy. He's back. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. Three touchdowns in the last three games? Like there was a play <laughs> against the Niners. Really? Is that his numbers? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, There was a play, and the, we got to caveat that a little bit. They played some really bad defenses in the past. Fair like enough. They played like the Falcons. Played Atlanta twice. Oh, did they? And they yes. played Detroit, which is the worst <laughs> defense in the league. So that that helps. Um, but so I will. I will. There was a play today, though. It was probably two, but there was one in particular today, um, where it was Ugo matched up against somebody. I think it was River Craycraft. Go Cougs. Uh, oh yeah, the slam and, over the and, middle. And, and River didn't do anything spectacular, but it was a relatively big third down, and he just beat him. And I was like, mm, man, like that reminded me of Green Bay. Like at the end of the day, if you're the eleventh guy. In this case, maybe even just like the seventh guy in coverage, like mm, that's not good because people are gonna go at you. That's why I think the Bucks are a bad matchup, right? Let's say it's like third and seven, Seahawks are down four, um, you know, with like two and a half minutes left, they need to stop, right? And we got one timeout or something. Like this is big. Like I said, you eleven personnel the hell out of them. If they man it up, you got AB on like Ugo or something like, you know, it's just one of the best route runners ever. Oh my god, <laughs> like you know, I just don't trust it. Um, so I, th- I thought I think they're a bad matchup for that reason. Although their defense isn't as good as the Ram defense, right? So at the same time, I think the Seahawks could score 25, 26 points against them. So I do think they have it. I just don't know if I can feel as confident about it as I would have in like week nine to say like, yeah, the Seahawks can put up 30 on whoever. Now I'm like, oh man, there's some teams they need to avoid in the postseason. And what do you know? They got the worst matchup in week in the in the wild card round. What's your thoughts on the boys not taking the knee? and the pass to David Moore so that Moore could hit his bonus. I know you support guys getting their bag, but should it have been something bigger than one player getting 100000 extra? Keep up the great work as always. Appreciate the love. Hell no, nah, Demo. Get that money. That's seventh round pick, man. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, um, yeah, no, I am in favor of, of them doing it. I do think it was a time and place thing. If they'd have done it, if they'd have came out and the first play was the Demo, I actually wouldn't have, I wouldn't have liked that. Because then you, you really are like, hey, man, we're trying to win this game. Like, if the ball comes to him, it comes to him. This is how the cookie crumbles, right? Like, that's that's is what it is. If we've got the game in the bag and we run like po- quite possibly the safest possible pass play, 
like a little pop pass with no drop back, no chance of a sack, really, like the game's over. I'm okay with that, right? At the very, 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 very end for a dude who's been a seventh round pick who agreed to restructure his contract to put those in. Remember, Demo was on the um, the tender, right? That was like 2.3 million, 2 million or something like that. Restructured it to a base min or a minimum and then um, he restructured it to a minimum and added those incentives. So, like, a dude is willing to take the sacrifice like that. You can do him a solid instead of taking two nil, two nil downs. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I do wonder what John Snyder was thinking. Like, hey, yo, hey, 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 Russ, what, what the hell? <laughs> Wait a minute now. It's cost me $100,000 here because you want to be all just... God damn it. <laughs> Pete, too. Uh, so like, what the hell was that? <laughs> if I in a headset, like, hold on. Z2 what? Hold on. I thought we called a nil down. Hey. And just, no. Let let it rock, but yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, good for Demo, man. Seventh round pick, going into uh, free agency. Let him get as much money as he needs to. Hey guys, what do you think the offense needs to do to get off to a faster start? You know what? I, I the short answer is I don't know the answer, but I do think it's funny that we've come right back to this place because anybody who's been watching the Seahawks or even listening to us for a long time, or even listening to anybody on on the radio, whether it's KJR seven ten or whatever. This is kind of where we was like two, three years ago. Seahawks start slow, start slow, start slow. I can't. Danny O'Neill, seven ten, had the stat where it's like uh, they had went so many drive games in a row without scoring an opening drive, like a touchdown. It was like thirty or something. It was it was a ridiculous number, w- way too high of a number when you have Russell. Um, and then that that switched after a while. I can't remember what that switched it, but now we're right back in the same place. Next thing someone's gonna know, someone's gonna access. Man, how come they don't use more tempo? And it's just like, damn, these are arguments from 2017 coming right back. It's just really funny how we've regressed back to this place. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier in the show about, yeah, this is this this team does give me 2012 vibes. But I don't know if that's a good thing. Don't know at all. How many heist movies will be watched between now and Saturday? But also, Mike, you got to explain the whole heist situation for those that are going into this. Like, what are you talking about heist movies for? Okay, so quick little rundown. I'm really into heist movies. That's like probably one of my favorite brands of movies, I want to say, other than sports movies. So I just randomly wanted to catch up on heist movies that I haven't seen. I haven't seen a lot of classics that everyone else has seen. Like I haven't seen The Italian Job. I hadn't seen Heat. I hadn't seen any of the Oceans series. So I started doing a binge, and I like doing things on social media where I like experience things that people love. I experience them in real time and talk about it. It's fun. I did it with Star Wars, Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, those are all very fun experiences. So now I've been fielding suggestions on heist movies. I watched Den of Thieves, Triple Nine, Heat, Ocean's Eight, all the other oceans. (laughs) Uh, What was the some other stuff? Snatch, um, Baby Driver. Just watched that on Saturday. I've watched all this in like the last like a week. So it's been pretty pretty fun. Um, I'm gonna watch Out of Sight probably tonight or tomorrow and then the other one Italian job haven't seen any Italian job so yeah that's that's why so yeah I'm probably gonna get through those two only this week because I gotta you know work <laughs> that's the other thing about tweeting that you're not working <laughs> everybody can see I'm watching movies guys <laughs> it's like it's like hold on Mike's spending every day watching Game of Thrones why ain't he writing nothing like yeah I don't need I don't need that can you talk a little bit about players that may or may not be back next season Quandre Diggs Chris Carson Shaquille Griffin KJ Wright Benson Mayoa David Moore, who we just talked about. I think David's probably going to be in a Quentin Jefferson situation in that, like, he's not super expensive to re-sign, but I bet you they feel like they can get that better value for what someone, like, someone else will probably pay David, like, a two-year six mil or something like that, whereas the Seahawks don't really want to do that. They really just, okay, we can just get Freddie for 800K and keep Freddie. Like, I, I would imagine, I could see them doing something like that, having John Arsua or something or Penny Hard, I don't know, figuring it out playing the Josh Gordon game again. I don't know. They shouldn't do that probably, but that's probably how that goes. KJ is probably up to him. If he wants to come back, he should. I think he's still got another good season uh, left in him, even if it's just playing the strong side. I think he's got that in him. Um, who else was that? Shaq? No, probably not. Um, that's just going to be too pricey. I still think Shaq will be like a top three corner on the market, and that's just that's just how the market works. It's not necessarily my opinion on anything, but I think he'll get the bag there. And then Chris Carson, no, I don't think. I think Benson the, Mayola. I think the market will be too big for Chris. And then, oh, I should bring back Benson for sure. Man, you get six sacks out of the dude on a, like, 
unless one year deal, unless somebody else gives him the bag, bag, you know, like you should. That's that's one of those good value signings. Like if you can bring back, because you bring back your whole D line, they're all under contract again. Pretty sure, uh, in terms of the edge guys, in the town like Puna. Um, yeah, no, that's you got to bring back all those guys up front. And lastly, Quandre, real quick. Quandre's under contract, so he should be back no matter what. Recently, it seems to me like Russ has had some serious regression in terms of trusting his pockets, scrambling early and leading to negative plays. Is there anything that can be done for this except maybe Shell and Ayupati coming back? No, I, I don't know if it's... I have to watch the All-22 of the game on Sunday. But just in watching some of the other weeks, I don't know if he's bailing too early. I don't. The reads aren't necessarily there on some of these. Like he's missing some checkdowns, missing deep throws. That stuff for sure is happening. But I don't necessarily say he's leaving too. He did. A, he did like once or twice in the Rams game. So that's probably where this question. Who asked this? Is a frequent person? No. Taylor Fowers. Yes. Oh, it is. Okay. Yep. So I think I can see where that's coming from. He did it twice against the Rams. I remember actually. I can see the plays in my head. He just ducked out of there, and Leonard Floyd was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, come here, come here." Boom! Just put him down. So, I don't think that's been the recur- like that's not the issue. I think the issue is more what we talked about earlier. Like even today, I actually thought his pocket presence was really good. I thought he found good scrambles. I think he ran for like twenty five yards, something like that, like twenty six maybe. Like he was he used his legs pretty well. Um, I thought and at the right times too. Like I think those two big big explosive players that I mentioned, they both came on scrambles. I think Chris Carson was a scramble and Tyler's. Like that's. That's good that they they got four total, I think, explosive today. But those two in particular came on Russ using his legs at the right time. Would you and Chris consider live commentating the Hawks playoff games on, like, Twitch or something so we don't have to listen to those awful cable commentators? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's messed up. Um, not for free. Um, but so, yeah, there's three parts to this. One, not for free. Bag. Um, two, you can just you guys can just mute the game and put Steve Rabel on, like, on your phone. Um you just do that. It's probably you'd, you'd have a little bit of a lag, I think. Um, There's a delay, yes. But I think if you're streaming the game, Rabel's probably on point with your stream. His audio would probably match your stream. It probably would not match your TV. It will think. not. It won't. Uh, yeah, no. I don't. I don't think it will. There's probably a seven, eight second delay with that. Yeah, but it would probably match your uh, probably match your stream. So I, I, that's what I advise. The third thing is, yes, this question comes from. And me kind of calling out broadcasters. I've been doing that a lot <laughs> lately. Because I, I thought Vilma said some wild stuff today. Wow. It, it, Exhibit A. DK. It's kind of weird. He's dropping passes. Huh? Yeah. What, no, are you, that w- what are you talking about, man? Yeah, that was real weird. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, he didn't say those exact words. I'm paraphrasing. But he, my goodness. He said he called it uncharacteristic he, that what? DK dropped the ball. And man. I was just like, dude, he, he literally has. On he's, his, like, he's like third in the league. In on drops. his scouting report, that is the number one thing he needs to work on. Yeah, so I thought that was, <laughs> and then he joked like, "Yeah, Tyler Lockett would probably love to play. It probably ask the Seahawks to play more games in Arizona." It's like, dude, do you know this franchise's history in Arizona? Leg snapping. Hell no. <laughs> Hell, they lost the Legion of Boom here. Earl flipped off Pete here. They lost a Super Bowl here after breaking his leg. Yeah, come on, man. Like it's just not. It's not. The whole Legion of Boom died in that city. Like, the Legion of Boom died in Glendale in like three parts, and it was. <laughs> it's like no, that stadium is bad. Like it's real bad. Do you guys get bonuses for covering the team throughout the playoffs? Tell your bosses I said you both deserve a raise for all your work killing it this whole year. Appreciate that, man. Bosses. Hear that? Who, who asked that? Mr. Hamilton. Chris Hamilton. Chris Hamilton. We all have a listener's name, Chris. Um, yo. It's a common name. Yeah, no, it is. Mine's <laughs> so common. is Mike. I feel like mine's common, too, but we don't get a lot of listeners named Mike. Anyway, uh, you know, we don't uh, get bonuses, uh, by the way. I did get a bonus to start 2021. So that is good. But I'm always for more bonuses, right? Don't think better than a bonus is another one. So, <laughs> hey, let's l- come on. I'm all here. Let's direct deposit sing. I second that. I would not mind a bonus at all. What sort of contract would Alice Collins command if Seattle chose to bring him back? Um, Not a big one. Um, Probably whatever the minimum is. It depends because next year, if they have the practice squad thingy again, like if we're still like in full on pandemic mode, which I for the for what it's worth, I have envisioned us being. Um, Jeez, man, dog, it's not getting no better. December, it's really not. December was the deadliest month for the virus. I'm pretty sure it was. We lost the most people in the month of December. We lost the entire 2020. Anyway, uh, so I think we'll still be in pandemic mode. So I don't think we'll. Uh, I think they'll still have the practice squad rules, and if they do, that's a guy who's probably a candidate to be stashed there though if they wanted to draft a running back run it back with Rashad keep Travis DJ and then bring in a vet like they did Carlos Hyde if they could just swap Alex Alex could be that vet on like a vet men that could work too 
What is your prediction for the Seahawks in the postseason? Thanks for your great work all season. <clears throat> oh boy, it's tough. Okay. <laughs> um. So I'm just gonna. It makes the question a lot easier. Let's assume health. Um. So let's say Jamal's shoulder is fine. Jay Reed comes back. Um, Greg Olson's fine. Brandon Shell's back. All that stuff. And they stay there the whole playoff run. I would say that the only team they w- for sure would not beat is Green Bay. Everybody else, I think they can beat. It'd be obviously some of these games would be tough, anxiety, stress, whatever for all you guys. I'd be fine. <laughs> uh, the only team they couldn't beat is Green Bay, though. So I would probably say. Whenever they played Green Bay, they'd lose. I don't know when that'd be. If that's not to the title game, sure, they can get there. The defense is playing really well, well enough to get there, I think. Yeah, the issue would be running into Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Those dudes are just so nasty. I love the fact that you say, y'all going to be going through it, but I'll be chilling. No, nah, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be cool. <laughs> and I'm, the I sad part is, Mike, you're 100% right. People are going to be hitting you up. What is going on? You're like, ah. Seahawks have been doing all season. The last second half of it is. It's all good, guys. Yeah, I don't. I've, I've only had like a little bit of feeling in my stomach one game. And that I think it was week 17 last year. Because I knew that was the Super Bowl. Like, I felt like if they got the one seed, they would go to the Super Bowl. And I felt that. I, I knew. I, so when Marshawn came out and it was. They had the ball at the one yard line, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. This <laughs> Again. Is, they're going to get it right this time. And they messed it up again. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. This is, you just blew your season. You just blew your season because they got, like, a delay a game. Honestly, that's when it had to pass. Yeah, no, it was – and then, she, yeah, no, it was it was brutal. Other, everything other than that, though, I'd be, I'd be pretty, like, neutral uh, during games. What's the minimum dollars you take for being lit up like KJ got their fullback? Uh, we got to start at like $50 million. Who the hell you think you got, Chelsea Clinton? Yeah, there's no <laughs> way I'm letting KJ hit me for anything less than that. Like, that is just bull. Dog, you see what KJ did to you that you check, Cat? I just met KJ, talked with him, we had a podcast with him. I don't want him doing anything that involves him running full speed and trying to make contact with me under any circumstance. Yeah, no, I don't I know if there's her. a dollar amount for my life. Yeah. Because I asked Mike, I said, Mike, bro, what if you die? He's like, I guess that's fifty million. Should I bring me back, right? I guess. Yeah, no. Rich people can do a lot of things. Man. They can, you know. Uh, so I don't know. I may have to sell my soul to the Illuminati to come back. But yeah, no. KJ, hit. I'm five eight, one sixty. I'm letting KJ hit me. Why does Russ keep missing the deep ball? I don't Wrong know. We gotta shoulder. Ask we gotta ask Russ. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, ask Russ. Who asked that? Ken. Everybody, should, everybody listening right now should just uh, form a pack right now. Just, everybody just tweet Russ. Russ, why are you missing the deep ball, man? Especially on the wrong shoulders. It was funny today. Someone, I think it was Art Till. Art was like, yo, Russ, what's up with the downfield accuracy? It looked like it was off today. Russ was like, I don't think it was off. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Like, uh, I, I don't forget what, what time in the post game it was, but he said, he was like, I don't think it was off. I think, you know, I was just getting pressured. I had to throw it away a couple times. I thought it was fine. There it is. I was getting pressured. I had to throw it away. Yeah, so that's Russ's <laughs> answer. Those are from <laughs> Russ's words. I guess that's how I would answer that. The strength of the opposing defenses over the last couple of games cannot be ignored. Somehow I still feel disappointed that the offense can't can't get going better. What's your take on this? Bad O, good defense, mixture of both? Yeah, a mixture of both for sure. They've played some really good defenses. Uh, Washington, Niners, Rams. Like, But even then, like I didn't like what I saw against the Giants. I didn't like what I saw against Philly. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a mixture of both. But like I talked about to start the show, it's really like I think everyone can be fine if they get on the same page. And then I think if they avoid Green Bay, they can get where they want to be because I really don't trust. Dog, you got to go. The road to the championship goes through Green Bay. Nothing goes through Green Bay. That's a town of like 12 people <laughs> with cheese on their heads. <laughs> and snow everywhere. Yeah, I'm not with that. It seems like the last few weeks... Sierra isn't posting on Instagram a lot about Russ. Last week, she was nasping with Vanessa Bryant. Are marital issues the reason for his struggles? So I consider this a pretty open platform. We <laughs> talk about a lot on the show. I think so. I think that's the case. Uh, I've never really outlined, Chris, what we won't talk about, <laughs> but I'm ready to do that now. <laughs> I ain't not about to, to speculate nothing about Russ and Sierra's marriage. That is not. Nope, nope, nope. Ain't talking about the A. Y'all take that over there that they mentions. I have no idea what's going on there. I don't want to know. Don't even want to pretend that I know. We're going to get into some cliches here. 
What are the keys to beating the Rams in the wild card round? Thanks for all you do. I love your podcast. Appreciate the love. Um, thanks for the love. I don't know who asked that, but uh, Mira, thank you. Um, let's see. If I had to just put one on it, I mean, force a bunch of turnovers, right? It's like minimize the need for explosive plays because you get short fields. Like today, how they get their third touchdown? Strip sack. What? Four plays later, end zone. That that's the key. Because then when you don't need, then you can dink and dunk because you're not doing dinking dunking as often. Like if you only need to go, you know, if you're getting pick, you're getting picks or you know, scooping scooping scores or not even scooping scores, just like scooping returning it for a little bit, like. Though if you get multiple of those, they don't have a chance. Like then, I mean, they already beat the Rams by double digits, you know, last week. They can definitely do it again if you know Goff's throwing it to Quandre Diggs because Quandre Diggs is wide open. Is there any chance that Shadi has been holding back more aggressive play calling for the postseason? Wilson's play aside, today it felt like so many plays were dead a second or two after the snap. No, I don't think that's, and that's really a hard judgment to make without seeing the routes. Like I just, how am I know the play call is bad if? I can't see what the safeties are doing and all. That's why I hate TV views. It's so stupid. You remember? I'm gonna go on a quick tangent. Do you remember there was like really? It was like fog on, a, on like a game once. It wasn't a Seahawks game. I think it was like a Ravens game or something. And because of the fog, they couldn't have the camera where they usually have it, so they had to put it behind the quarterback. And we were watching the game from behind the quarterback. It was like a Sunday night football game or something. And it was like the best thing ever. And that, everybody wanted more of it. That is what we should have more of. Why are you just only showing me the, the the two lines? That's stupid. Show me what the quarterback sees. If you really want us to view the game and fawn over these quarterbacks, show us everything the quarterback sees so we can view the game that way. You can replay and zoom later. Give us the whole thing so we can see. I bet you there'd be more appreciation for some defensive guys too if we could actually see what they're doing on every play. Like, imagine if you could see Jalen Ramsey every snap. Imagine if you could see Quandre Diggs every snap. If you could see Jamal. If you could see who's, who's another good DJ Reed. Oh, she's to give him a good safety. So someone who would naturally be off of the screen. Um, Tyron Matthew, um, Harrison Smith. Like, some of these good DBs who you don't even really see. You know, linebackers when they drop into coverage. I just think we're missing out on so much. Route running. We'd have way better views of route running. Anyway, that's just my thing. I hate the views that we get because then you can't tell. Which coordinators are dialing up the good stuff? You can't tell if the quarterback's holding on to it too long. You can't tell who's missing checkdowns. You know, so it's just so dumb. Sorry. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I think the Rams were the worst-case scenario wild-card matchup. Do you agree? You know, there's a really good article. Shout-out to the homie Robert Mays, who wrote about it, uh, who wrote about defensive coordinator of uh, the Rams, Brandon Staley. Brandon is building that team in a scary way, yo. It is bad. Brandon is building that team with the best pass rusher in the league, a top two cornerback, and he's building it from back to front. Meaning that, like, his, you know how most, like, Pete's teams, Pete's defensive philosophy is stop the run. Stop the run, make the offense have to pass. So if you know the pass is coming, you can do a four-man rush and then build four uh, pass rushers who can get there on their own. That's Pete's whole thing, pretty much. Brandon Staley's like, yo, the easiest way for them to score on us is to throw it over our heads. So let's build a defense that stops that first. And then we'll, we'll funnel to the run. And that just stops the Seahawks in the tracks. So, yes, because of that, because of that philosophy, with that roster, terrible. Terrible matchup for the Seahawks. We'll end on this fun one here. What kind of after-game grub did the players eat? Uh, I mean, it's different for all the guys. I think they all got different diets and stuff like that. Like, some guys probably just go to McDonald's. But I don't think Russell put any fast food in his stomach at all. Um, so... I think in general, though, like after road games, they would have like, it, it gets catered. I always would walk by like a, there's a table. No, I ain't take no food. But there's always like a little table right next to the buses where they would all grab a lunch. It'd be like barbecue or some chicken strips or something. Just some stuff that smells so good. Oh, my God. Smell great. After the games, guys dip out of there so fast. Like some of them might not grab anything. Russ goes like to the, what's that uh, restaurant? The fancy one? Oh, I ate there. Dang it. Did you? Yeah. Baller. You that, ate there and don't remember the name of it? Sadly, I don't. Is it's Met something? That's right. The Met, the Met, the Met Gala. No, it's not the Met Gala. That's, that's a party. That's an actual rap song. Excuse me. Sorry. The, the Met, the Met, oh, the Metropolitan man. Grill. There we go. There Boom. it is. Yes. yes. So it, it it varies from guy to guy, but on the road they have really like, good steak. By the way, I don't uh, I don't eat red meat, but I think that uh, it varies from guy to guy when they're at the crib. But on the road, it's catered, and I think it depends on like what area they're in too like i think it's different like in philly versus atlanta versus nashville 
versus Pittsburgh and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure. That's a good question, though. I need to dig more into that, but I'm sure, however, that has all changed during the pandemic. Pretty sure there's just, like, prepared boxed lunches that they order way ahead of time to, you know, to decrease the chances of guys, like, eating together uh, and stuff like that. We want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to ask Twitter questions. We appreciate y'all rocking with us. Thank you, Mike. Anything you want to add before we get out of here, man? I appreciate you guys. A happy new year again. Glad you guys are here with us in 2021. I hope to bring the heat, all the rest of the playoffs. Uh, appreciate the questions. Uh, we'll catch you guys during our midweek show. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.